Hello, and welcome to Heart Points, an actual play RPG podcast. I am your host, Zach, and I am here today with a very special episode. Um, as you may have heard, we are doing an anti-hiatus as Diana and I are recovering from bringing a new human being into the world. So before that happens, I, we are recording a whole bunch of episodes with some friends, and I'm very excited for today's game. Um, I've brought two of my favorite people to roleplay with to join me for a game of Dundas West Games Ross Rifles, a game of Canadian service people in World War I. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this game. I've played one session of it previously, and it was a little heartbreaking, so we'll see how today goes. Um, but without further ado, I'd like to introduce the people, yes, people, multiple that I'm playing with today. And also, I'm not GMing for once, which is absolutely wild. First, I'd like to, I'm going to start with my friend uh, and coworker, Victoria, uh, who is, I'm so thankful, is joining us for this game. Thank you for having me, Zach. I'm Victoria, or Tori, um, as my friends call me. And I'm excited to be here. I confess I don't have loads of role-playing experience. Extent of my role-playing experience has been playing games with Zach, who, who is a great uh, GM and uh, player. I've never played this game before. I think we have played a World War II game together with another coworker, and that was really fun. So I'm definitely looking forward to this one, um, even though, again, I confess I have less role-playing experience than the other two people on the call, and I am definitely not a World War I buff by any means. But yeah, I'm really excited. Um, war stories are um, really interesting to me. Uh, and I'm excited to see where this one goes. Yeah, me too. And Tori is also being a little modest. Tori played a lot of games with us for Farrier's Bellows, uh, which is where we played uh, Jason Morningstar's Grey Ranks. Tori has helped a lot with our podcast in the past, and I'm so excited to get her on a recording today. Uh, the other voice you will recognize uh, from quite a few previous games, I think, um, and previous Heart Points episodes. It is our friend and producer, Zach B. Oh, hey. Hey. Yes, I'm usually on the other end of this, which is just listening to other people play games um, and editing them. But uh, I didn't think about this. Not only are you not GMing the game, which I think is a huge mistake, but th <laughs> this is a multiplayer experience, which yeah. uh, I'm excited for, which doesn't happen a lot on this show. No, we're doing a couple for the anti hi I think most of the anti-hiatus games are ending up being more than like not duet games in some form or another. So uh, it's it's going interesting. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm excited. So uh, yeah, Zach B is going to be our GM today, and I'm very excited to play Ross Rifles. And I think without further ado, I'm actually going to turn control of the session over to Zach B. So we open on a big yellow sun in a bright blue sky, cloudless sky. And we pan down to see Barnaby Walsh walking through a trench. Um, and this trench isn't typical Barnaby to what you've been used to. Your unit has been on the front lines in heavy fighting for about a month. But right now it's the summer of 1917 and your unit has been moved to uh, another part of the line 
which has not seen fighting on it in about two years. The higher-ups thought that your unit could use a break and you've been sort of rotated out to this very quiet part of the line. The trench is not very well kept. Um, you're walking um, along the dirt and the duckboards beneath you. The, the dirt is very dusty. A lot of the wood holding up the walls has sort of fallen out um, and the trench has even receded a little bit, the walls of the trench, um, due to erosion over time. And it is hot. Uh, it's the summer. You guys have been fighting nonstop for almost a month now. Um, you were marched for a day or two to get to this position and you are running low on ammunition. You do not have a lot of food um, or water. You just sort of arrived at this new line. And as you're walking down the trench, um, you see up ahead of you, your sergeant, Sergeant Chambers. Um, sergeant Chambers is standing in the trench, his head well above the trench line, which you think is kind of odd because at any other time during this war, your experience is that if you were willing to put your head above the trench line, your life was not going to be very long. And Sergeant Chambers is holding a pair of binoculars up to his face, um, and he is sort of scanning the horizon in front of him. You notice out in front of him that there are these rolling fields of grass and flowers, and you can see some forests in the distance. This is much more serene and scenic than the no man's land that you've been used to for the past month or so. Barnaby Walsh, as you're walking towards your sergeant, um, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, maybe give us a little, give us a little view of what uh, Walsh looks like walking through the trench here. All right, so I'm uh, playing Barnaby Walsh. He is uh, a tall, kind of thin, gangly kind of guy, uh, thick mappa hair on his head, um, and he is just kind of mucky and grimy. Um, he's got oil and black grease kind of like covering in splotches all over his body, face, and neck. He is, as I've been describing, an opossum of a man. He is kind of very patchwork. Uh, his jacket, um, one of the notable things about his jacket is that uh, the right sleeve was like completely replaced after it caught fire. Uh, and he hastily sewed the sleeve of another jacket on. So there's like this very pale, much more worn and like sun bleached sleeve on the rest of his jacket. And the rest of it is just all covered in, in muck and grime and various patches. Barnaby smiles a lot. Uh, he is a very outwardly upbeat person. And he is, as he's walking through the trenches, he's got... Um, his hatchet out in his right hand and he's kind of like knocking it on the wood to see like where it's sturdy and where it's starting to rot. He's like overturning bits of scrap metal, things that are, that are um, left behind to see if there's anything usable uh, that someone has maybe left behind. He is also missing, uh, he's missing his ring finger and pinky finger on his left hand from when they were shot off earlier in the war. Uh, and so he's, he's kind of, uh, been in the shit for a while and he puts on sort of a very positive face but it isn't out of like bravery or confidence it's just out of like la a laissez-faire attitude sort of that he puts on and whether or not that's genuine or not I think is up for debate um so I think he's kind of like not sulking, but slinking through the trenches, uh, turning over garbage and, and 
things, inspecting stuff as he makes his way towards uh, Sergeant Chambers. Sergeant Chambers. Um, and how how does um, how does Walsh feel about not being in combat right now? Like you're in a very serene setting. Is this weird? Is it is it does it feel good to be out here? It feels weird because it should feel good, but the strange part is that Barnaby's very jumpy. He's like very skittish, and now he's skittish for no reason, which feels upsetting to him. He is happy, obviously, to not be be being shot at or shelled or anything, um, but it is a it is a specific sort of disconcerting that his survival mechanisms are happening for no reason now. Um, he is happy that he's getting a chance to spend time. Uh, he found a shelled out motorcycle that he's been trying to fix up, so he's had a lot of time to work on it. How did uh, how did he get the motorcycle? Like how how does transporting the motorcycle work? He made special um, he's, he made special accommodations uh, with Sergeant Chambers and um, our quartermaster who was also moved out here, Christopher McGarth, who uh, owed me a favor, and I basically was like, I need I need this bike. You can't you can't put me out there where they haven't seen action in two years with nothing to do chris you've got you've got to let me take this please it's not that much stuff it's not that big just load it on the back of the truck come come on you please please come on we get a little flashback of of uh the quartermaster feeling all right all right walsh just take the bike but if anyone asks you didn't get it from me right right Mm, lips are lips are sealed chris lips are sealed so as you're walking along the trench, um, I think one of the things you notice is how, um, how sparse your unit is these days. I think it's okay for the setting because you're not on a, a part of the line that sees much action, but it seems like there's quite a gap between soldiers um, and they're all exhausted. A lot of them are lying on the ground trying to get some sleep. Um, some of them are sort of, you know, trading whatever rations they have or cigarettes that they have. Everyone knows they're sort of on arrest, and no one's no one looks like they're ready for a fight. Um, they're all just sort of lounging around. And as you uh, make your way to Sergeant Chambers, who's looking with his binoculars, you know that um, two of your section mates, um, Privates Clifton and Kuklensky, um, went out on sort of a, a scouting mission last night. Your sergeant uh, sent out a couple different soldiers to sort of scout around the area, just make sure everything was okay. Um, and you know that he sent Clifton and Kuklinski to a nearby farm just to sort of get lay of the land and stuff. And as you approach Sergeant Chambers, he sort of sees you out of the corner of his eye. And he, he just says, uh, Corporal Walsh, how are you this fine morning? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing just fine, Sergeant. Looking for just uh, trying to scrounge around, see if I could find a, you know, I would cut off a leg for a can of beans right now. So if you've got just any hookup, on some rations, I would be much obliged. Wish I could help you out there, Corporal. Um, Clifton and Kuklinski didn't come back from last night uh, as he sort of scans the horizon with his, with his binoculars. That definitely like gives uh, Barnaby a bit of a jolt. And he goes, I thought this was all quiet out here. It is. Um, he, he, puts the uh, field glasses down and I think he has like a pouch slung around his shoulder that they go into and he slides them in and he pulls out a, um, a map from the inside of his jacket 
um, and he unfolds it. Um, and he just looks at you and says, uh, local map we got from a, a citizen passing through. Um, and he points to a spot on the map that has some, uh, some buildings marked on it. And he says, uh, there's a farm out here. I thought maybe Clifton and Kuklinski could go see if it had any uh, supplies or food or anything. I sent him out there last night and they haven't come back yet. Barnaby kind of like scratches his temple with his hatchet. And he goes, uh, they probably just, they're just probably camping out. Maybe they got uh, lost. Maybe they got held up. Sure, though. How long are we waiting for him? I think uh, Sergeant Chambers, I think you guys probably have a pretty good relationship. He's been out here in the shit almost as long as you have. Um, I think his uniform is really, um, really worn. Um, he, he is wearing his helmet, um, but he, he's looking pretty ragged. And you guys generally trust each other based on your experience. And I think he shoots you a look like, you know what you have to do. Yeah, Barnaby would, normally Barnaby would write off these people and be like, ah, they're, they're gone, whatever. But uh, it is weird, A, that it happened here when like nothing has happened in like the couple weeks that he's been stationed here. And also he has like a, he is invested in Kuklenski's safety because he has, he has had like, he has a history with Kuklenski. So I think uh, Barnaby kind of like rolls his neck and he's like, all right, Sergeant, uh, you want me to get the newbie? Sergeant Chambers says, uh, yeah, way ahead of me. Uh, I think you should take the kid with you. He, he could use the experience. And I think uh, when the Sergeant says that, uh, Francis Reed, you're standing nearby, um, maybe doing some kind of uh, sort of manual labor task or something. Um, and your ears pick up when uh, you hear the Sergeant mention the kid. So Francis Reed, why don't you um, introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about what you look like. Francis is not a kid. He's 18. Thank you. He's 18. And he's about average um, height. He's on the thin side. Um, he has only been on the front for, I'd say, less than a week. Um, he is a pretty new, pretty new <laughs> recruit. So because of that, he is, I mean, he's very dirty just because they've been in the trenches, um, dust all over him. But he hasn't seen combat per se up close yet. Um, so while his uniform is dirty, it's not really tattered. It's not bloodstained. It's um, still pretty fresh, about as fresh as him. And uh, I think that he has been trying to occupy himself and just be useful um, since they have been um, moved to this quiet spot. I think, I think when they moved is when he joined the troop. So he knows that they've seen some shit. Um, and so he has been trying to do everything that he can to alleviate the pressure off of other um, soldiers. So he's been, you know, if someone asks him to run an errand for them at this point, he'll do it just because he knows that they've done things that he hasn't had to do yet. He's also, when he's felt especially, when he's, I guess it's survivor's guilt already that he's feeling a little bit um, because he's seeing the horrors of war and knowing that it's coming for him, but he hasn't had to face it yet. Um, he has even gone so far as to give some cigarettes away, um, which uh, he has a very limited supply, but uh, he's, he has been, since they got here, looking for a way to be useful. Um, and I think that when he hears the sergeant say his name, sort of, but not really, um, I think he comes over immediately. Um, it's not that he's eager, it's just that he, um, he knows he, he's here to pay his due. So this seems like as good a chance as any. Um, so I think he just comes over and it's like, 
You sort of said my name, sir? You and Walsh, um, you're going to go find Clifton and Kuklonski, make sure they get back here safe. I'm a, is Reed intimidated at all by being around Walsh and Chambers, these like grizzled vets who have been here for, you know, about two years? I don't think he's as intimidated by Walsh as he probably is of the sergeant, um, because uh, I think one of the things that Reed had been doing as a way to be useful had been working on the motorcycle a bit with Walsh. Um, so, I mean, not a lot. Again, he hasn't been there for that long of a time, but um, I think just through exposure, he's probably a little bit less intimidated by him. I think there is a sort of deference that he has towards the sergeant, but I think in terms of, I, I wouldn't say that he feels intimidated. I think he feels the same thing as he does with the other soldiers who've been in the shit longer than he has, which is a sort of like respect that he feels that they're due. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say intimidated. I'd say, yeah, more respect. Barnaby um, definitely does not need to be respected or be the, he lost the source of intimidation. He lost two fingers. So he, like, that feels like a fair exchange. <laughs> Bar- Barnaby has like only survived because he is not valiant at all. <laughs> Well, just, Reed doesn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Sergeant Chambers looks around a little bit to make sure that none of the nearby soldiers are listening um, before he says in a sort of quieter voice, he says, you have to find Clifton and Kuklinski, bring him back here. But this part of the line has been pretty quiet. And if anywhere has food, that farm does. We need food, we need water. I mean, Walsh, you, you know the state of things out here. Um, so find, find the soldiers, but... Um, I mean, whatever you can scrounge, we need it. That that sounds that sounds like my kind of job. Come back with food and water for everybody. Mm. We'll, we'll find we'll find them, sir. We'll we'll find the two guys. Yeah, yeah. What the greenhorn said. We're gonna find them, and we're gonna find some food. Oh man, you think they got a cannery? Walsh uh, has a map in his hand that's kind of folded up, um, and he like, or sorry, not Walsh Chambers uh, has the map in his hand. Uh, it's folded up. And he sort of like, just like lightly smacks you on the head, Walsh, with the map before he hands it to you. Um, ah. he, said, he says, uh, it's quiet out here, but watch yourselves. Um, German line is a couple miles away, so I don't expect any run-ins. I think everyone's tired right now. It's hot. Everyone's tired. I don't think anyone's going to be trying anything. Um, but just make sure you watch out for yourselves and watch out for the kid. The kid can watch out for himself, sir. Yeah, Sergeant, you're the kid. Kid can watch out for himself. He, he sort of just eyes both of you guys and says, all right, get what you need and then get fucking moving. Mechanically, there are a couple moves um, that you can do to sort of prepare for a mission on the general move sheet. Um, so you're feel, feel free to like talk to whoever you want to or if, if there's anyone you want to find, um, if there's any supplies that you want to try and get before you leave. And then once you're ready, I'll have one of you roll the strategize uh, roll, which is on the second page, the last move. Um, And this will sort of set up the scene of how the mission, uh, it'll tell me how much trouble you guys are in uh, once we sort of start uh, the mission. But if if anyone has anything they want to do before um, they leave for their, for the mission, uh, let me know. I think I, uh, I think I turned to Francis uh, and I'm like, Let's let's uh go to my workstation. Check out this map. What what are you th- you thinking? Anything? What what are you thinking? How are you feeling, Greenhorn? I'm thinking. What were they doing at the farm again? I I, I just sort of just showed up. I'm I'm happy to do whatever. 
What is it that we're doing? Oh, damn. <laughs> Sergeant should have told you that. Damn, Sergeant. Uh, so here's, here's the deal. Sergeant sent Privates Clifton, Sergeant Kuklen- or Private Kuklinski, out looking for food and water, out looking for supplies, just on a general scout mission. They ain't come back yet. So we don't know where they are. I'm sure, I'm certain, they're just lost. They're just holed up. Maybe something happened. Maybe he got a little rough. They're fine. We just got to go find them, bring them back. It's going to be no problem. We got this map. Well, as long as we have a map, sir. That's all we need. He kind of like shrugs. I think they go over to, uh, they get to Barnaby's workstation and uh, he spreads out the map so that they can look at it. Um, and there's like the the motorcycle in like p- bits and pieces with like it's one wheel is just like bent at a 90 degree angle. And I think they, they're looking over the map and uh, yeah, I think Barnaby's just like, so what do you, what do you think? I think, I mean, is time a factor? Like, do we wait until it gets dark and then move or, or do we need to go now? I think under the circumstances, since we're trying to bring stuff back, we might want to head out as soon as possible. It'll help with our scouting, help with bringing anything back. But then again, if they're dead, they're going to be just as dead come nightfall. So let's hope they're not dead then. Yeah, let's hope that. Okay, so we're going to move as soon as we can. Is there anything you think we need? I mean, I have, I have my gun. Do, do uh, I need anything else? <laughs> I got my gun. Uh, I got a grenade. You got any grenades? I don't have any grenades, sir. Uh, I wonder if we could get, scrounge ourselves up a grenade. What's our... Do we have enough ammo for a mission? Or is, or is the ammo situation that bad that we are, like, rough? You have enough ammo for a mission. Um, your whole unit as a whole does not have enough ammo to be, like, in, like, the month-long combat that you've just come back from. The only other thing I'm thinking is that we should try to find some chocolate. Ooh. Now that... Francis, that is a great... I, I knew I liked you, Francis. That is a great idea. It's, it's what everyone needs right now. You know how much of a hero the two of us will be if we come back with two privates and chocolate? B- big ones, I guess. Big damn heroes. We'll get a medal for that shit. I, I, don't, I don't need a medal. So here's the issue. Uh, I got a grenade. I got ammo. I got my guns. It'd be nice for you to have a grenade, but I don't want us to talk to the quartermaster on this one. Well, why? Uh, this is a little sensitive for the quartermaster. He and Kuklenski are close. And if he knows Kuklenski's missing, it could, put, it could worry him unnecessarily. Now I want to worry him. Wouldn't he want to know? I'm sure he would want to know, but it's one of those things, one of those issues where what you want to know isn't necessarily what you should know, or rather you want to know it, but you also don't want to know it. Okay. If you know I, what I'm I saying. Didn't, I didn't know you and the quartermaster were that close that you, that you knew what was best for him. It's good to know. <laughs> now, now, Francis, Francis, I've been out on the shit a long time. It ain't a matter of me knowing what's best for McGarth, but it's a matter of me knowing what's best for McGarth. <laughs> um, are you guys sort of talking out in the open, like in the trench, or where is that uh, happening? Yeah, I think I, I, I'm envisioning that like my workstation is just like in the trenches. Okay. Um, I think as you guys are sort of looking at the map and talking, I think um, another sort of grizzled vet soldier uh, walks by and sort of says to you, Francis, um, 
Hey, kid, I know you got smokes. Hand them over. Uh, I only have about five left. You, you really need it? You, you don't get to smoke. <laughs> give, give it to the people who need them. How about I give you half of one? I got to well, save some for the others, you know? Well, sh tell the new guy to give me the smokes. Uh, fuck you. I ain't got to tell the newbie to, tell, to give you shit. Newbie can do what he wants with his smokes. The newbie hey, 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 I'll trade you. I'll trade you. Do you got a grenade? I'm not giving you my good. The new newbie, you we're haven't. Going on a, we're, we're going somewhere. I need it. You haven't earned anything yet. Come back from your mission and tell me how many Germans you killed, and then we can talk about smokes. And then I get a grenade. How can I kill? I, okay, here, here's here's half a cigarette. And I, I I open up my carton and I break it in half, and I just offer it to him, palm up. Is this is this enough? Is that all right? This this guy um, looks around and realizes that Sergeant Chambers is sort of he's eyeing up the situation from down the trench and he goes, you're lucky your dad's watching or else I'd make you give me those cigarettes. Yes, sir. He gives you a little shove and he walks down the trench. Did, did he take the half a cigarette? No, he... he... I, I put the half that I was offering him in my own mouth and I offer the other half to Walsh. Walsh takes it. And then I, I, light, I light them for us. Uh, <laughs> I think Walsh is like, uh, don't let those assholes bully you around just because they've been out in the shit longer. They, they don't deserve they don't deserve any shit from you or anybody i mean i've been i've been giving some people some cigarettes but not when they're assholes yeah assholes don't deserve my cigarettes absolutely not thanks for saying something though we yeah. should give me a grenade like that just seems that would have worked out really well for our that would have worked <laughs> out real well here. in fact you know what i'm so was that was that dude from a different squadron than us He's in another section that works closely with you. You, you know okay. who he is. I didn't get right. anything, but you know who he is. All right. I think I still have my hatchet out. I, I, I didn't intend for this to be like a, a tick of Barnaby's, but I think he like scratches his chin with the edge of his hatchet. And he goes, uh, as he's got like the cigarette hanging out of his mouth, he goes, uh, you know what? You know, let's, let, let's go pay his section a visit real quick. Francis, what'd you think? Uh, to do what? Uh, I think we get a grenade. You're the boss. Sure. Come on. Let's go. Let's go check this out. Uh, I, I think you walk down uh, the trench a little bit. Um, and at one part, the trench uh, gets a little wider. And I think it's so sort of relaxed at this point. There are even some soldiers like up on the grass outside the trench. Um, and they have like a, a small box that they found. And they're like playing cards and smoking. Um, and uh, th this is that, that guy's section. I think Barnaby walks up and very loudly goes, Oh, gee whiz, Greenhorn, look at all the steamed crawdads in this section. Ain't got nothing to do but sit around their pot and boil. I think Francis just bursts out laughing. <laughs> like, of, of all the things that he thought was going to happen, that was not one of them. <laughs> Ca calling all of his fellow soldiers crawdads. That was not a thing that he predicted. Barnaby takes his hatchet and he, like, waves it around at this section. He goes... Hey Francis, how many of these uh, how many of these red crawdads have you lent smokes to? I mean, I didn't I didn't lend them any. They were gifts. They they didn't give them back. They were gifts, and they didn't return the favor. No, they were gifts. Ah, Francis, how about you, Kelly? Kelly, is Francis giving you a smoke? I think Kelly uh, <laughs> is looking sort of confused, like what's happening. And I, I think the section sergeant uh, is nearby. Um, and he walks up to you, Barnaby, and he goes, uh, now don't get nasty, Barnaby. We're just having some fun with the newbie. How, how about you tell me what, what you're up to so you can get out of my face? Kid here needs a grenade. He's lent you all plenty of smokes. 
helped given, you? Given, I pipe given. 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 Plenty of smokes. Y'all can all scrounge together. Toss the green horn a grenade. Not with don't a toss pen, it. Please. Yes. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, Zach, I think I'm gonna have you roll ask around. That sounds about right. What what do I roll with that? What is uh, that is wit. Ooh, that's perfect. That's my jam. This also seems like a very witty thing you're trying to pull off here, so. That is a nine, 10, 11. Perfect. I think the sergeant, uh, the sergeant reaches into his own uh, sort of um, satchel and pulls out a grenade and goes, if I give your little kid a grenade, will you stop bothering us? Uh, yes, sir, I will. Uh, great, go fetch. And he sort of tosses it behind him over his shoulder and it lands in the, in the trench uh, just behind him. I think Francis looks at Walsh for a second, shrugs his shoulders and goes to get it. Uh, and then just says to the sergeant, uh, the little kid thanks you, sir. You, you do our country proud. And then he just keeps walking. Walsh says, I think you walk away. Uh, the sergeant just sort of eyes you down until you're out of sight. I for sure flip him off. He gives you like a like a hand wave as you walk <laughs> away. Like he doesn't even have the energy to deal with you. Yeah. I think when I catch up to Francis, I'm like, listen, Private Reed, don't worry about it. Once you give a bullet or take a bullet, they're going to stop calling you kid. You'll be fine. You'll be right as rain. Don't worry. Yes, sir. I think he just keeps walking. I think he's trying to like put it past him. Like he has a grenade. He has his gun. Let's move on. Cool. Uh, is there anything else that you guys wanted to do or anyone else you wanted, anyone else you wanted to talk to? Uh, I don't know if Francis wanted to push the issue of McGarth and whether McGarth should know. Um, I know that that conversation was kind of happening. It was kind of hitting a fever pitch. And I, I do like that it got kind of like sidetracked, but I don't, so I don't know if Francis would want to bring it back up or if they want to push this issue or if they're cool with it kind of going or if they want to, check it out on their own if they want to go behind Walsh. I know that's a good call. I think that rather than returning to the conversation directly, maybe as they're, are they, I imagine they're heading back to Walsh's um, station. Yeah. So then maybe as they're walking back, I think he, I think Francis will sort of somewhat casually be like, Hey, you said the quartermaster and Kuklensky. Kuklensky. You said they were, you said they were close. Do you guys Mm -hmm. go way back or something? Uh, no, I, uh, I got Kuklinski out of no man's land about a year ago, was uh, under some heavy fire. He got hurt real bad. And, you know, I just happened to be there. I got him out, helped him out. He, uh, he was in convalescence for a couple months, but he pulled through. Um, so no, other than that, no, not too close. Me and, uh, McGarf work together a lot. Cause you know, I'm always working on these projects. Uh, and McGarf hooks me up, gets me supplies. And the quartermaster and... Kuklensky, they go way back? At least since the start of the war. And you don't think he'd want to know? Reed, I, I'm sure he would want to know. Um, but just because he wants to know doesn't mean that's what's best for him or us or anybody. Could he be useful on the mission? Would we McGarth? want him to come with us? Yeah. Well, that's an interesting question. I suppose he could be, possibly. But I also don't know, out of character, if uh, the quartermaster is supposed to go on, like, missions mm. um probably also, not yeah so i don't know if he's like a i don't know if he's like a a troop like a if he's like a like us going out like a trench rat yeah yeah um 
And, you know, also, if, if we do find bad news, not saying we are. In fact, I'm saying right now, we're not going to find bad news. But if we did find bad news, I wouldn't want McGarth there. So I'm thinking we, mm. we just leave McGarth in the dark until we figure out what's going on. I guess you know him best. So I'm not, you know, it's not like I know better for him than you do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying that if I was in his position and someone I cared about was missing, I'd want to know. You know, Reed, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, but sometimes we have to make tough decisions out here. And I know you know that, but you've only been out here a little bit. So I've had to have some conversations with people and I ain't looking to have them again right now. So if we can avoid them, I'm going to avoid them. All right. But you got a good head on your shoulders and you're thinking right. And I applaud you for that. Now, as they get back to the map, he's like, I'm going to ask you again. You got a grenade. I got a grenade. We got our guns here. We got our map here. We know about where our privates went. What are you thinking? I'm thinking we just go. I'm thinking that's probably a good idea. Cool. Um, so I'm going to have one of you guys roll a strategize roll. So again, this will tell me how uh, fucked you guys are <laughs> uh, right off the bat in your mission. Um, and I'm going to give you a plus two because you have the map and you have uh, you managed to get uh, read a grenade. Uh, so I think you're decently prepared and I think you have information about where you're going. So plus two. Uh, Walsh was trying to give, I think Walsh was trying to give Reed, uh, first point of say on this mission. Um, so if, uh, Reed wants to roll for this, uh, they can, um, otherwise I can roll if, if you'd prefer. Uh, no, I think he'll, I think he's a little bit confused as to why he's getting so much say because he hasn't fought yet, but he's not gonna, he's not gonna not take it. Yeah. Roll two D six. Yep, and you are not adding a stat, you're just adding the plus two. Ooh, that's a 12? <laughs> nice. Not, not 12. <laughs> nice boxcars. Uh, the war ended. You guys did home. <laughs> we did it! Yeah. <laughs> you solved my World War One puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> I think we cut to um, Reed and Walsh. Um, they sort of have their helmets on, they have all their gear on, they have their rifles. And they're walking... Uh, up out of the trench and through these fields. It's sort of an odd sight in front of you because uh, it's very clear maybe a year or two ago that there was some kind of battle here. Um, there's craters, the ground is sort of undulating, um, but the craters have like grass growing in them and there's wildflowers here and there. And every once in a while you come across like a rusted out tank. It's, it's really kind of weird. Um, Walsh, you, you haven't seen anything like this. You, you're familiar with battlefields, but um, seeing one sort of reclaimed by nature is a really strange experience. And I think maybe, um, you know, 45 minutes, an hour into your trek, um, Reed, you trip over something um, and fall to the ground. Um, and as you look up behind you to see what you tripped over, um, you see that you tripped over uh, a British helmet, sort of the brimmed helmet that goes all the way around. Um, and you see there's, there's a skeleton sort of lying on the ground. It, it's closed and its boots sort of rotting around it. And um, just sort of next to you, there's this big German tank um, that's sort of rusted out um, and sort of hulking on, on this uh, landscape. I don't know if that makes Reed feel anything. I, I know that you've seen wounded soldiers, but you haven't necessarily encountered sort of death up close. And um, I don't know if this landscape or, or what's around you makes him feel a certain way. 
I do think this is definitely the closest he's gotten to a dead body. I mean, he literally tripped on it since the war started. Um, how old would you say? How long has the body been there? A year, maybe two. I think it's probably surprising for him because tripping has put him literally on the same level as the body, which is different than like seeing bodies on stretchers being carried past. I'm trying to think about how he would process that. I think first he feels bad, feels like he's desecrating the dead, sort of like this guy should have been buried, like he deserved to be buried and not to be stepped on and tripped on. And also I think that impulse of like wanting to honor the soldier is warring with knowing that they need to move on to save two people. So I think he's like lying on the ground, his, his eye level, like level with the skeleton, the skeleton's head. And I think he decides to lock it away. So I think he stands up, brushes himself off. Did Walsh see him fall? Yeah, I think if he didn't see him, he heard it and uh, he would have turned. Um, so I think like if we were a little bit separated to try and like keep from grouping up too close together, I heard Reed fall and turned to see you kind of like on the ground, eye level with this body, this skeleton. And I think Walsh waits to see how you react. Mm. I think he just is kind of watching from afar, like maybe just a few meters away um, and just kind of like watching to see how you react. I think Reed doesn't want it to affect him. And so he's trying to move past it. Um, so I think, yeah, I think he stands up and just as explanation is, ju- I think he just says, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't see him. And I think moves to keep walking. Yeah. I think Walsh nods. He goes, you heard anything? Just my ego. He goes, bruise easy, but they don't break. Yes, sir. And I, I think you guys keep walking a little bit further and you pass a couple more, um, sort of rusted out tanks and you, you see a couple more, uh, skeletons here and there a wreck of a destroyed biplane um, on the ground nearby. Um, and you get to a small forest of trees um, and you can see through the trees and just on the other side is sort of the sloping uh, countryside and it uh, slopes down towards um, a farm. Uh, you see a small farmhouse uh, surrounded by a, a low stone wall around the outside um, and there's sort of a barn next to the farmhouse. And you can see sort of fields in the distance surrounding the farm. Um, and you have this sort of brief moment while you're in on the edge of the forest. If, if you guys want to game plan or figure out what you're going to do or like scan, scout the the farm a little bit from here, you can do that before you head in. I want to scrounge around in the wreckage of the biplane, I think. I think Walsh wants to see if he can find some old, like, biplane ammunition for whatever it's like gun was uh to see if he can make a like a makeshift grenade okay uh so is this your playbook move yes so my playbook move is repurpose when you create something useful out of garbage roll with wit i'm, I'm a little kind of on the fence on this idea because it feels a little fanciful so if you guys think that that's a little bit like out of place let me know but I imagine, like, knowing very little about guns and bullets, I would imagine that if you took, like, a large bullet, like, as you might find in a plane, 
and tr- like hooked it up to some sort of hammer or wire, you could make it explode remotely. So I will say that um, biplanes would, some biplanes would have had explosives on them, uh, either bombs or grenades to like drop on people. Oh, okay. Uh, and they also could have had um, like a, a plane mounted machine gun that the pilot would use in like dogfights and things like that. So, I mean, without knowing precisely how all those things work myself, uh, I can say that you can certainly use your scrounge around move and combine parts to sort of make something that you're imagining. Cool. Yeah, I like the idea of just like trying to find like one of the bombs or grenades that the plane would already have and trying to like set it up to be something I could carry and throw. Okay. And this is the repurpose move? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and roll that? That appears to be a 12. Damn. You're getting them (laughs) high rolls today. This is going to be a real easy game for you guys. So on a 10 plus, you create something useful and you have extra material to spare. So I, what is it you're trying to make? I'm trying to make a grenade or, okay. a, or a handheld bomb. Okay. So like... You, no, you, you mentioned before something like remote that you wanted to have or... Uh, even if I could just throw it. So you have the, with a 10 plus, you get extra material to spare. So I think I'm going to have you add a grenade to the one you already have. So you have two. Okay. And I think if you want to make something a little fanciful, like a, something a little more intricate, I'll let you also have that. Um, could I or if, just, or if you just want to have three grenades. <laughs> could I have, uh, could I just like make a grenade and then have scrounged up some extra gunpowder? Sure. Yeah. You can just, if you want to write down that you just, uh, you have some loose sort of gunpowder now that you've, you've taken from the machine gun or something else. Yeah. I just like emptied out some bullets or something. And I just kind of have like, I have a cat leather, I don't know, a pouch of gunpowder um, for whatever purposes I might think of. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. Um, so while uh, Walsh was sort of scrounging around in the plane, um, was Reed doing anything? I think he was trying to figure out a way to gather some, any intel about the farm without getting too close. In terms of materials, it doesn't, his um, playbook doesn't say that he has binoculars. Are they something that he, like all privates would have, or he just has to use his eyes? Uh, So I think you're just going to be looking from a distance uh, without the binoculars. Uh, But there is a move that I'm going to have you roll called Scan the Horizon. So this is you sort of trying to get a lay of the land, try to get some intelligence about the battlefield, what's going on. Plus eye. Okay, yep. my, my eye is zero. Okay. All right, let's see. Oh, shoot. It's a five. My so, eyes are bad. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think Walsh is sort of on his way back um, to your position and, and at the edge of this forest. And as you're looking out at the farm, all you see is this low stone wall surrounding the farm, the, this stone two-story farmhouse. Um, and a barn, and you can't see uh, people or animals, or it's, you just hear sort of the birds chirping in the background, the breeze blows through the trees, um, the sun is out. It, it seems like, this looks like a, a painting. If you the, sky, know, the sky is blue, I can tell yeah. that the sky is blue. <laughs> if, if you didn't know you were in a war, you, like, it would be hard to tell that a war is happening around you. I've contributed a lot to this mission so far. Uh, I think Reed comes up, or Walsh comes up to Reed, uh, and he like shows off the the 
plain grenade that he's kind of like outfitted to be something he can easily throw. I'm literally imagining he just like took like a small missile and like tied a strap around it. <laughs> um, and he's like, hey, Reed, check it out. Look at what I found. This uh, could do us good, although I got to be honest, I'm not seeing much to be afraid of out here. Is, is that thing safe? Like it's not going to just explode, oh, right? Oh, no, 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 no. See, I got to uh, press this little mechanism in here. And then once I toss it out, if I press this little mechanism, you don't want to knock on it or nothing or drop it. But, uh, you know, just press this little mechanism, click that, throw it, you'll be ready as rain. All right. If you say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna stand over here, though. Mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna be like over there. Yeah, no, nah, I, 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 I don't blame you. Uh, <laughs> so what, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking? There's the farmhouse over there. You think uh, our boys just kind of pulled up? I hope, hopefully, I, 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 you know, I have, I have bad eyes, so <laughs> I couldn't really uh, tell much of anything. I mean, when I was watching, no one, no one came out of the of the farmhouse or anything. I don't see any animals. Seems pretty quiet from, from what I can tell. All right. That, that sounds uh, about right to me. I don't think we're going to find I, – I don't know what we're going to find. I think uh, – I don't know what held them up, but I think uh, – let's – I say would we just it, go down there. Would it make sense for one of us to go for, and for the other to stay back, provide cover if needed, and then, and then we switch when the other person gets there? Or do you want to just go? You're a smart one. You're a smart one, Reed. Uh, yeah, actually. I just, I, there doesn't seem to be a lot of cover. Like, it's, ju- it's just a field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So, uh, well, I got my end field. So, uh, if you want me to take point, I'm happy to take point. If you would prefer to take point, then I will give you cover. Uh, you said you know Kuklinski, right? I mean, maybe I, you should go first if you know him so he, like, sees a friendly face. You, you got a good – I said it. And I meant it. You got a good head on your shoulders, Reed. Uh, so sir. I'm gonna I'm gonna run out there. Um, you uh, post up. Uh, I don't know what. I got your back. I got your back. I got I got my gun. It's a Lee Enfield rifle. Great. Sounds good. So I, I, think... I don't know I don't know its name, but I know how to use it. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Barnaby like kind of like make sure all this stuff secured. Um, he, he also gets his Enfield at the red. Well, I don't know. Uh, I think I might use my, so I have a M1 911 semi-automatic pistol, which I think might A, be easier to run with in hand and B, might be better for suppressing fire. I would imagine. I would imagine a semi-automatic pistol is better for just like trying not like, I don't know, just like just shooting. Um, so I actually think I get that out. Um, and prepare to make a run for it. I don't know. Uh, maybe you, you're sort of looking around as you exit the forest, but there's like nothing. Um, and I think you, you sort of, you're, if you want to, you can sort of leisurely walk down to this farm, um, sort of uninhibited. Um, uh, with, I think I, go ahead. I, I definitely like, I think I jog, but be, just because I know it's not smart to be out in the open. Um, but I'm not, I'm definitely not running because Barnaby really thinks like there's nothing like Barnaby is certain that there's nobody out here that Kuklenski and um, other character who I don't remember Clifton Clifton, um, are, they got lost or they held up or maybe they saw a patrol, whatever. 
but there ain't nothing for as far as the eye can see. So I'm just taking a, I'm just jogging. Uh, meanwhile, for the record, Rita's like ready. He's like, he's ready. And uh, I do. He thinks something's gonna happen. He's like, this is too. It's too quiet. Hi all, your friend and dad Zach here just wanted to thank you for joining us for another special anti-hiatus episode of Heart Points. This week we were joined once again by my friend and yours, the esteemed editor of Heart Points, Zach B., as well as Tori, my friend and co-worker and an expert role player who played with us often on Farrier's Bellows. This week we played the in-development game of World War I drama Ross Rifles. Ross Rifles is being designed by Daniel Kwan, and you can find out more about it at dunduswestgames.com. This episode was sponsored by patrons Stephen Hessen and Blink. Thank you both for your support. If you would like to support Heartpoints, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash heartpointspod. We've been able to do weekly anti-hiatus episodes because of the support of everyone who listens, shares our work, and donates. Thank you all. Don't forget that you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at HeartPointsPod. Please reach out to us and let us know what you think of our special anti-hiatus episodes. Don't forget that we will be back next Monday with a brand new one. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope that as you return to the real world, that you have a very nice day. But like, a very, very nice one. (laughs) 